but yeah, it was just weird going to school and running into kids that say like, oh, I don't really listen to music. And I was like, what? You don't breathe? Like it was, it didn't make any sense to me. Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we We drew the map. Lol, I'm just going to introduce um, our guest today is Mason Silver, skateboarder of the year. You've already met Mason, I think. You've already seen him in action. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, you know, the first time I saw Mason skate in person, I was uh, up in the High Sierras. Uh, we went over to the, the the park there, and he was skating, and it was one of the most transcendent experiences of my life because he was doing these kind of amazing tricks effortlessly. That's what it looked like. I mean, I saw his face close up, you know, 10 foot away, and it's like... He's just completely in the moment, completely in the flow of it all. And obviously, you know, that's not true because it it takes a lot of skill to do it. But he's like so completely in the moment. It was a wonderful thing to uh, experience. So how's it how's it feel? Skater of the year. How did it feel? Um, it, it was a dream of mine since I was young, but it was something that was so far away that it seemed like it could never happen. So uh, it definitely still doesn't feel real. And uh, I'm not even really sure if I could have an answer to that question for a long time, because <laughs> if it doesn't feel real, I'm sure I'm not going to even realize what to say about it. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. I'm trying to think what it's like. It's like it's like winning a Grammy or something. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> so when did you like, you know, when did you first have like, you know, that's what I want to do? Uh, I think around uh, maybe 12 or 13 years old was when I really first started to try and uh, film videos and put them out on the internet. And so from that age, I was just realizing that this was kind of the apex of where you could go doing that. And I didn't, there were so many levels in between that, though, that I was just like, oh, you know, it'll be long in the future. But uh yeah i can't believe it happened at a even i i think this is young for it to happen i guess and yeah i just i'm really happy yeah has your mum been behind you all the way it was definitely i think maybe a little weird when the first time that i wanted said i wanted to do independent studies at school and just go on skate trips instead but once they saw the people behind me at the companies and they knew that this could actually be a career they were behind it yeah that was like that with with my mum until she saw me in, in like the the papers with you know the clash and there's my son standing next to this um, in this picture so it must something must be working you know and then then they kind of got it we we all operate outside the normal realms of of you know uh proper society if you like it's like we're we're not doctors we're not lawyers we're doing something different yeah you know at the beginning it's hard to show them anything because you might get a gig that you're excited about but they don't care where (laughs) you're opening they don't know who you're opening for they don't know will you be home tonight or you staying away yeah 
Mason, it's very interesting what you were saying about what it meant to you to be skater of the year and how you started skating. You said, well, it, it came about when you were 12 or 13. And I think yeah. Buddy will probably tell you that that's about the same time as it happens for us for, for music. Yeah. About 12 or 13, you start thinking, hey, I can... I can do something with this. Like, you know, you've been listening to it for a few years. Like you've been watching people skateboard. You've been then yeah. about 12 or 13. You really decide when you're playing music, Hey, this is what I want to do. And, and like, I better, I better get serious. I mean, I think yeah. at 13, I, I got Buddy Rich's book of snare drum rudiments out the library. Cause I was serious at that point. Yeah. So how was it for you? When, when was like the combination of, of music and skateboarding? How did that come together? That's what we want to know. Yeah, because I think around that same age as when you were saying you would have got that book was when I first started really paying attention to how skate videos are made and how the songs can really complement the person and kind of take the skateboarding to another level. But yeah, it was just weird going to school and running into kids that say like, oh, I don't really listen to music. I was like, what, you don't, you don't breathe? Like, it was yeah. didn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been really cool to get introduced to the stuff that I still listen to today from such an early age, you know? Yeah. I, I, I definitely don't think I would have found out about half the music I listen to today if it wasn't for skate videos. Am I right in thinking that you, at that point, you couldn't pop down to the local library and pick out a book that said, here's how you make a video for your yeah. skate? I think that's also another good uh, comparison between the two worlds. Is It's like anything in the mainstream was, was really wasn't what you wanted to hear or see. And yeah, there wasn't anything that you could go and directly do. It was almost this feeling of like, you know, it's exclusive exclusive you know it was hard to find the things that you wanted to find and i think that made it like uh it made me want to do it more it sounds because when we when we were starting off as as well like musicians in the backwards you know or the or mm -hmm. the, uh, the the back of beyond you know there was the concrete <laughs> whatever it was it was it was factories of the northwest of england for me you know um, but we were like presented with a world that we're thinking, how on earth do we get into that world? How do we break in? Mm -hmm. Was there no, uh, you know, sort of a high benchmark, high bar that you had to get to? Or was it like, I don't even want to go there? I think, well, how you're saying like breaking into the world, that's what's a hard thing to navigate in skateboarding. And I don't know if it's the same in music is that you can, Oftentimes someone can try too hard and it looks bad and you have to really like know how to navigate the industry and not just try and barge your way through the door, you know? And yeah, I don't know if this is that the same in music where it's like, um, you almost don't want to try too hard around some of those people. Lol. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah we, we kind of did the opposite a bit. We did the barging in, you know, because that's what punk was. Punk yeah, was up true. barging into the mainstream uh, music business because you know I can remember going to see uh, bands starting off you know seeing the seeing the Clash seeing uh, Stranglers and thinking yeah okay we can do this we don't have to to be like you know super proficient at stuff we just have to what's the old saying they say about blues you know all you need is three chords and the truth and yeah, yeah. that's what we felt so I think like we 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 knew who not to hang around with yes if you like. 
Yeah, I, if you put the words into my mouth, I, re, I remember the people who were trying too hard. Yeah, you know, and it's really easy that, to see through that, you know. The ones that had gone down to London to get the right gear, you know, yeah. come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, because a lot of skating is acting like you don't care, you know. And <laughs> right. so I don't know if that's the same, that too, you know. Yeah. You have to kind of have this facade that you're, you know, kind of just shrugging everything off and don't really care and... But maybe deep down you do, but you can't show it. <laughs> that definitely helps in some mm-hmm. ways. If I think back to a band like Wire, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. but they came on and each song was like probably over within two minutes or three minutes. There was nothing long. Yeah. There was no lighting. There was really no indication they really wanted to be there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but whilst they were there, it was intense. Yeah. You know, not caring about things, realizing we were marginalized outside of the mainstream mm-hmm. it helped us most of the time because we were like a little gang and we were like a little unit and we could go anywhere and we'd just do our thing like play our songs and if you liked them that was great and we met a lot of good people that way but if you didn't or if you were bemused by it it kind of didn't matter to us so much because we yeah. didn't have such a high yeah. bar and you realized that was that was okay you know yeah it was okay because some people got it and some people just didn't we were we had this hard punk attitude we don't care yeah. you know mm-hmm. just gonna play our stuff and do it and that saved us because otherwise we probably wouldn't have come back we would have thought oh no we can't do this you yeah know? exactly you have to have that thicker skin to know and 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 that's the thing about skating is someone from the outside might not really know anything about skating and but all you really want to hear is the people who actually skateboard because you understand that these other people don't actually really get it. When did you find your gang? You know, the guys that you, who understood and you understood each other? Yeah, it seemed like everyone in my direct grade in school didn't really skate the way that I wanted to think about they did they didn't think about skating the way I did they they didn't go to sleep thinking about it and wake up thinking about it like I did it was kind of just something that if they were bored they would skate to the store or something like that but uh, I found found a friend uh, Jared Cleland who was a two years older than me and I still skate with him almost every day to this day and and he wow. was kind of on that same level and he would show me new videos and stuff and he was definitely a good influence on me so it, it, it definitely drew me to that older crowd that, that knew a little more, and I just was so eager to learn everything through them. Did, so, you, did you have to travel travel to meet these people? Did you, or were they like in your neighborhood, or did you have to go somewhere else? Oh, he grew up like five blocks from me. <laughs> but, okay, but, uh, wow. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I definitely met a lot of people through traveling to contests and people that I still know today, like meeting at a young age of, 14 and and it's just really cool to see that now this person that I just met when I was 14 or we're both pro skaters now 10 10 years later you know and it's uh it's just really cool to see it grow wow that's akin to us kind of jumping in the van for the first time and traveling like you know 40 50 miles to the next city and realizing hey there's a club like the club we have you Mm -hmm. know with, with a few people and there's all those people who are hangers on and there's the people who might be okay and that you know yeah. you can you sort of you got this filtration thing on you know yeah, you're you can filtering observe. out 
yeah. So is it kind of whittling down who I'm going to spend my time to and who I'm going to not waste my time with? A huge part of skating is, especially when you're filming, is you're doing such scary stuff, you just have to have the honest filmer that will tell you how it looks. You have to have your friend there to, to help you do it. You know, like it's, you just have to have the right people around you. And that's, seems like that would correlate perfectly to, to having a band. You know, you have to have people that you can really feed off of and, and be honest with without them getting offended or, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. Very yeah, tricky. I'm sure it can get really tricky. Yeah. You have a good crew. <laughs> yeah, there's, you definitely see the people and you can kind of, when you see them, you might think like, oh, I know exactly how long they're going to be around and I know how, how long they're going to be around and you see how people think and it's like how long they drink the night before or something like that. You know, you can really <laughs> tell like that. Uh, maybe <clears throat> maybe that's not the best person to go on a trip with, you know. Uh, <laughs> I would have been that person. I would have yeah. been that person. <laughs> yeah, you there's there's, there's a similarity, lol, because you met Robert at the bus stop and Mason had a guy a yeah. few blocks away. So like, yeah. you, two, <laughs> you know, you, you, you found your kind of, buddy you know the yeah. guy who's the long who's going to stick around pretty yeah. early on right yeah i don't i don't really know what i would have done if i if it was just me at that age i feel like i could have gotten just influenced by different things are you and you and robert were the same age oh yeah yeah, yeah. we went to school from yeah. five years old so yeah we we're saying I'm, I'm a little bit older than him i'm the senior Yes, um, yes, of course. <laughs> get that right. one in, low. Get that one in. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, well, I met him when I was five, and, and then, you know, what do you do? You, you hang out at birthday parties, you know, for a few years mm -hmm. when you're that age, and then about 12 or 13, we're like, hey, you like music? Yeah, I like music. Me too. Yeah, because when you're young and we're, you know, 14 and we don't really have sponsors and we're not paid to travel anywhere we just spend our own money and we go and do it ourselves and we we really do feel like that band you know we're just all together and we came from the same place and we we have all the same interests and all the inside jokes everything right. and I remember some of the first skate trips was we were maybe 16 or 17 all staying in one motel six uh, room 10 of us just on the floor spread out just 10 yeah. people Hey, that's <laughs> like touring. That's, just like touring. That's yeah, yeah. That's complete, hang on, hold up. Motel Six, that's luxury, you know. Like oh <laughs> in the set, you had a room. <laughs> let me let me tell you about touring in a like a you know, a little Ford van, <laughs> like with all your gear yeah. in England. Oh. When it's like winter and you're sleeping on top of a mattress on top of the cabinets, you know, like yeah. oh, you're you're lucky you had a mattress. You, <laughs> you, yeah, you wake up in the morning and you hope that nobody moves because if they move, the breath that is condensed on the roof of the van will drip on everybody. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no, yeah, but it's, it's all great fun. <laughs> it, yeah, but then. The minute one of us gets a different sponsor, we have to go on trips without everyone. And that's the weirdest thing is like you, you're almost thrown into a van with, with people that you don't really know that much and you kind of just have to adapt. So it's, it's, that's the one difference is like, you don't, you're not necessarily always around those people. Ooh, so it's like, it could be a, a stable of kindred spirits with the same sponsor or yeah. you're, on, you're on your own. Exactly. And you, you still have those friends, but it's not like you're going to be with them every single day. Well, how's that work out for you? Uh, it was weird at first going into to vans and kind of 
you just you just really second guess everything. Like you're like, oh, are they thinking? Are they looking at me? Are they, you know, what do, what do they think of me? And and yeah, there's just definitely been because I was in in vans on trips when I was 15 or 16. And so, obviously, I probably said some things that,、uh -huh. you know, turned some people away. <laughs> I've become a kind of a, a, a new、um, skateboard geek. I think I like that. <laughs>、um, I really like the gear. I've been watching a lot of、um, the first guy who skated in long. Trousers. We're not going to say pants because it means Corey. Yes, I think、yep. like Corey. Corey Duffel. But it, it was.、Uh, I just thought that the gear also seems to change as well, and、yeah. depending who you're with, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it was. I mean, in just time periods, because all of the '90s was huge baggy pants, and then all of the 2000s was tiny skinny pants, and then now it's back to baggy. It just changes so much, yeah. I'm I'm in the middle. I'm changing. I don't know what I'm changing into.、Yeah. I'm looking for I'm looking for baggy. You know, baggy but smart. Yeah, but not too baggy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm taking a tip. Not too、yeah. baggy. Right. <laughs> um, so I was watching like these、uh, skateboard videos. What do you call them? Like you know, clips and things. Yeah, clips,、uh, videos, part, part, parts, parts, parts. There you and, go. And、um, <laughs> what 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 I really noticed was the editing.、Mm -hmm. um, Uh, what was amazing was the way they, the, 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 the tr if you like, the tricks, the way they were cut, not exactly to the beat necessarily.、Mm -hmm. It was like the way you interpreted the music, as、yeah. if beats were okay. I can land on that beat, or、mm -hmm. or the beat can, yeah, like lead to another thing, or it can flow in a certain way. Yeah, but that that would be the most traditional way. Is like. Drum beats are usually going to be seen as landing marks, you know, and that can make the landing seem so much more powerful when it has the right beat to land on. Do you do you get involved in the the editing and and cutting? Oh, of the,、uh... a lot. Yes, I do. I'm 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 in the、uh, I'm in the editing bay with pretty much most of my parts, but I like to be there listening to, for the small beats and stuff that that might work, and I, I a lot of the order of tricks, knowing that. How much effort it took me to do the trick. I like to have those kind of closer to the end, and I'm very I'm a control freak. Yeah. When you're doing your your parts, do do you do it like we would do、uh, a set of songs? You know, like if we've got twenty songs to play, we we do it. We start off with a couple of that are going to grab your attention. That's exactly the same way. Yeah, yeah. I would say、uh, some of those, and I would think maybe in the middle of the set would be something that. Might bring your attention back, and then it could be something that、um, is more of a deeper cut. That could be something that、right. you know is for like the true fans, and that's that's how I feel like、um, some of the editing is in in skateboarding for sure. But you, especially now with with people's attention span,、yeah. is you want to have something right at the beginning to to keep them in there, you know, because、yeah. they might just click away right instantly right. if they don't they they don't recognize it or or think it's cool. How long is that actual period of time for grabbing somebody's attention? You know, oh like, yeah, I would say fifteen seconds nowadays with the way that that Instagram wow. is. Wow! <laughs> wow! You know, people scroll through their feed on their Instagram and they see it,、right. and then they're、sure. like, "Nope," and they just、yeah. go past it so quick. Right. Wow. It's weird. It's、uh, times are changing, and there's so much out there that people 
don't have time for everything. You know, like in the eighties, if if you had your song played on the radio or whatever, it would take like three goes of somebody hearing it before they might go out and get it. You know, yeah, exactly. And now it's like about twelve times because there's so much stuff out there. It's just in, impossible to get into everybody's heads. You know, yeah, that's mm. true. There's a song deep to my heart that apparently you you love to skate to. I found out about a lot of music from skate videos, oh. and I think that monitor off of Juju was probably the biggest one. That song is so good to skate to. I just love that wow. song. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's just it's it, it just it just gets me in the right mood to skate every time that I listen to it. Wow! I'm just blown away to hear that. <laughs> Can I give you a little? A little insight to that song. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a live studio jam. Mm-hmm. John McGeoch had the detuned guitar part, the, the big open string. Mm-hmm. The drum beat was pure Bonham. It, you know, I was here. I was kind of channeling that two beats on the bass drum. Boom, God, boom. I tried that beat in a few other things and it never, but then this one, it just like, it just, it locked in. Yeah. And maybe that's a moment and I can feel the shiver now just thinking back because the vocals were done live. The Susie was over in a vocal screened off it and we didn't really have an arrangement, but it just kept stopping. And when it stopped, Miggy up would start again. And it was, then I heard Helter Skelter by the Beatles in my head. Ah. It was like, that's i mean i think that's the a big part of the song too is that the pacing is pretty much this the same for the whole song like it's yeah. just this like heavy jam song that feels like you know it just feels like a a perfect song to put on when you and your friends are just skating because it is such a it just matches the jam format god We'd never have known. Could you imagine? <laughs> no, I'm sure you guys wrote it for skating, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> this is going to kill him in California. Mm-hmm. I remember like the place when I was growing up that I really wanted to, to play was, was in New York, you know, then I wanted to play Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So where where was the place that you really wanted to go skate and you really wanted to be that had the same sort of mystical appeal for you? New York is definitely a place that um, skaters from the West Coast want to go to because all growing up is there's these things that you hear are like, oh, New York is so hard to skate. There's traffic everywhere and it's and it's rough and and it's just impossible to, to try and film anything there. And then that kind of makes you be like, well, I think I could, you know, it, it's definitely a proving ground. Like if you can film stuff in New York, you've made it, you know, it's a, it's like a real street skaters place to film. Uh, yeah. That, that's, that's good insight. I mean, you know, I guess what's it, they say, you know, if you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know if there's places like that in music, but like, yeah, just where it's, hard to uh maybe get into certain places or venues you know it's like yeah there's certain places that when i played there i felt okay i've arrived and then there's certain places that weren't like that like when i was like you know 16 i used to go to this club in london and i used to look at the doors at the side of the stage and think oh 
but it's really exciting behind there. Mm -hmm. And fast forward a few years, we played the place and I went, opened the doors and it was just a fire escape. No, <laughs> nothing, you know. That's hilarious. So where, where would you guys say is um, the like harshest critics out of anywhere? For us, the harshest critics were here where I am now, not in Berlin, but in like some, I think it was Dortmund or uh, Frankfurt mm. here in Germany. Yeah, Germany. I don't know yeah. what it was. We, we, we'd go on and like everything we did that would like in any other place, they'd be kind of storming the stage. Oh my God. In Germany, they were stood there kind of, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and your next song is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know that a bit because you're right because the first time i played in berlin at so 36 or whatever like this little club it was packed absolutely packed and we did the same thing we played and it was just like mm, yes okay <laughs> and at the end everybody went nuts but that happened in japan as well but that's ah the first time in tokyo wherever it was lol mm. They, it, it, you could on stage you could hear the sound of the amps oh yeah if i got a, if i got a key and tensioned to my snare drum it went <laughs> and it, i could hear you could hear it around the club oh, big yeah. club <laughs> and you finished every song and like nothing <coughs> you're like oh shit they they hate it it's, yeah. this is, it's, we're dying here <laughs> and then you get to the end of your set and they've got crazy right. and clap and scream and scream and like the Beatles have arrived. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different way of, of appreciating uh, music. I mean, I appreciate it, but just in a, a completely different way. I mean, in in North America and Europe and Australia, it's pretty much the same. You know, they slightly different accent, but it's the same same thing. Yeah, it's the same place. <laughs> yeah, it's the same place. You might as well yeah. be playing the same place. Yeah. yeah. We were used to being, you know, abused on stage. Oh, you know? No. <laughs> Where, like, people just heckling, shouting, and throwing things, you know. Really? Throwing things? Yeah, even after the gobbing had stopped, oh, you know, the gobbing. Oh, the, spit, yeah. the spitting out of appreciation. Oh, so I could good. not I imagine if someone did that in a skate demo or something. I don't that, no, I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> how, we, how we survived without hepatitis, I'll never know. So, and God. many didn't. Many didn't. Yeah. But we came to America, and they had cigarette lighters up in the audience going like, they're going they like us. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing something wrong. Must be. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a knife edge, you know, because on one hand, you want to be outside of the mainstream because I'm getting the feeling talking to you like skateboarding and the kind of music that me and Budgie have done over our lives is outside of the mainstream. Yeah. But you also want to be acknowledged a little bit that you're you know you're okay and and it's and it's valid you know yeah. it's valid where where was there any time when you come against anybody who who's like oh that's what you do and you felt like not disrespected but you felt like they don't really understand what it is i'm doing you know yeah i mean uh, when i was around like probably at the end of high school yeah. and i hadn't really traveled for skating yet but it was taking up all of my time it seemed like Maybe it was more of just fr other friends' parents would chime in sometimes and say, oh, that, oh it's, aren't you going to college? And I was like, no, I think everything's going to work out after high school and it's going to start speeding up once I don't have school to do. And they're like, just, it's just such a scary thought for, for people that don't, that's, that's just all they know is like you go to college and then you get out and you probably don't even use your degree for what your actual job is and then it's like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's uh so when, strange when, when do you think you you kind of got that feeling that uh you know 
this this is going to be fulfills me this is like even if nobody wants to see it or hear it or pay me for it yeah this i think man around maybe right when i got out of high school i went to barcelona the first summer after and the that trip was just like it was monumental for sure like it made me realize that like no matter what was happening with skating or how much money i was making if i was able to go and do that with my friends that was all that mattered like it wasn't it that's it's still one of the best memories of my life was just going there with with my friends for the first time right do you guys think that you could ever just stop thinking about writing music at ever like because that's the thing about skating is i don't I don't I couldn't understand myself just walking away from from everything, you know. Is it possible for you guys to even do that? I got here 10 years ago. I've been in Berlin 10 years and when I got here, everything I knew about the the band I'd had, the life I've had to that point, and it's a long time. It was over 20 maybe about 20 years. It all gone. It's it just it kind of it stopped and I thought, okay, this really is it. And it's not like I tried to walk away. I thought I was shown the door. Mm-hmm. And then as much as I tried, I tried to be in L.A. I remember coming to L.A. thinking, this is how I'm going to I'm going to break into L.A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. No, that wasn't going to work. The, the more I tried, no. the more I was pulled in the opposite direction. Yeah. Sometimes I suppose I have to go. I just need to be where I need to be and see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. The book kind of saved me and put me back into uh, a mind for music because I, I never stopped, but I got sort of more and more disheartened by things. And it got to a point, I suppose, uh, seven or eight years ago, a friend of mine said, you know, hey, do you want to write a book? Because you said you wanted to write a book. And I thought, okay, well, you know, it's it's not music, but I can do something with this. And the aspect of writing a book was so life-altering for me because I found, you know, it was just it was just the same art but with a different name, you know, a different way of doing it, and I had the same feelings, and that that rekindled the fire, that relit the fire. So yeah, the answer to your question really for me is is no, it never goes away if you're really inside of it. It can never go away. It can't yeah. go away until the day day you die you know it's it's always going to be done it's and it's like if you see someone walk away from it you 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 instantly think differently of them you're like well how how could they just stop thinking about it or you know it's just uh it's it's part of us for sure you know the, the grand obsession it has to be like yeah that. exactly yeah. it has to be or else you know you can't be great i started to realize as much as the hour on stage and the endless hours traveling what became important was meeting people before afterwards meeting yeah. people from where i was finding out what's it like living here yeah you know, mm-hmm. what do you guys do at night you know where do you go mm-hmm. and, and that became a, like a fascination mm-hmm. you know because it, it, it's one thing to hear from a a skateboarder that oh your part was great or you know it's one thing to hear from another musician that oh yeah your your album was great but you know when you see someone randomly on the street and they get to tell you and they say like oh i don't even really skate that much but i discovered your part you know it means so much more and that 
can inspire you for so much longer than hearing it from one of your you know fellow people right. so you're, you're making connections yeah <laughs> you're joining lives together yeah we exactly. just call him bits in that's mm-hmm. that's something that's really addictive mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it's just uh and it's really inspiring you know to, to see to hear that people are still trying to find new things to do yeah you know i, I think skaters appreciate someone trying to find something new more than trying to do something better new is cooler than better wow mm. yeah that's, that's really nice to hear. The, the main thing that I want from my skateboarding is for someone to be, you know, they could just be born yesterday, but, to, you know, yeah. 20 years later to meet them and say that they, like, went back and, and watched my stuff and they, they still, you know, got inspired by it. That's, that's the main goal. Thank you so much, Mason. I've had a yeah. just a joy, really. I, I've learned so much, and um, and I feel brilliant because you like the music that I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I love like both of your guys' stuff. Is just it just I think it just speaks perfect to skateboarders because of the way that you guys were going about it when you were making it. You know, it's so similar to the way that we had to do stuff when we were first skating, and it's it's. It's all the same feelings and it's all the same energy. It's it's great. Parting is such sweet sorrow. But Mason, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mason. It was an amazing conversation. I'm glad we could make those uh, correlations between the worlds. Ah, okay. Look forward to the next peak. <laughs> As you guys. Lol, it's curious question time. We have some curious questions from the fans. We have curious questions from curious creature fans. You dig deep, get that big ball of roll, roll, (laughs) that that tombola. Singing, roller, bowler, bowler, penny a pitch. Okay, spin the wheel, lol, spin the wheel. What's the first question this evening? Okay, here's a good one. This is from Stephen Carey. And uh, I don't know where Stephen is, uh, but he says, hi. I think it's actually from England, if I listen to this question, the way it's phrased. Well, it's a uh, good, good way of starting, isn't it? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Is, yeah. Yeah. hi. But there's another bit in, uh, in this question that's going to make you know that he's from England. Okay. Says, hi. Did either of you ever listen to something the other had done and thought, bugger, I wish I'd come up with that? Cheers, Steve. <laughs> the bugger gives it away. Yes, I I did hear a part of uh, Budgie's playing where I thought, wow, I had wished I had come up with that. It's that part in the song, and i got to think of the name of the song now. Oh, on the spot. Uh, I am not going to put you on the spot. Oh, uh, it's, so it's from e- uh, each of our own songs, right? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, um, happy house. Oh, happy house! Yes, remember right. it well. Was a rather good, uh, rather good tune there. A rollicking bugger of a little song. A bugger of a little song. That bit, that bit where you where <clears throat> Adam sings about the uh, throwing them down the stairs. Oh, and... now we 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 just jump songs. We just jump songs. Isn't that happy house? Happy as we did, boom, ticky boom, ticky boom, ticky boom, ticky boom. But the one down the stairs, 
Boom, 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 boom. Gap, boom, boom, yeah, boom. That's it. Ah. <laughs> now I got you. Yeah, I thought it's spellbound. Yes. Don't forget oh. when your neighbor forgets to say their prayers, take him by the leg. Throw him down the stairs. Throw them down the stairs. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And yeah, that's, I like that. I know you like that. Because I know the story. You you've used the same stairwell. Oh yes, yes. In in uh, the the record uh, company's studio. Yeah, Stratford yeah. Place, Polydor yeah. Studios. Yes. And there was a stairwell, and we put the drums in the stairwell. You may have even played the stairwell itself. I played the stairwell as it happened. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I like it is because it, it's. Part of the song, it's not just the rhythmic underpinning because it is literally, you know, it signals what happens in the song. And I always like that. Like when I was playing with the, the Cure, with Robert's vocals, a lot of the times I would try to accentuate things in the vocal with my playing because that was the thing that was exciting to me, the vocal line. And so... Uh, when I heard that, I heard you play that part. I thought, wow, that's pretty damn good. You know, it's like, it's part of the song. Yeah. It's, it's like looking for the drama. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, trying to stretch it out somehow, you know, get yourself into the, the lyric. I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, I, I, I just love the way you hit the little, the little splash symbol. I mean, it's the, the the classic early Cure track is a forest, right. a forest, yes, right? And it's you know, boom, get, boom, get, boom, get, tsh, get, boom, get. Yes, yeah. it's a little simple. Yeah, you know that symbol came from uh, St. Wilfrid's um, music room when I first had it. You know, I liberated it. They were never going to use it, so I liberated it. You know, some might call it stealing, but I, uh, I don't think so. Oh. Maybe I should buy them one and send it back to them now. You um, set it, you set it free for a new life. I set it free for a new life, and uh, it became part of our sound. And uh, yeah, definitely, that was that's something that I've kept all the way along in my playing. I've kept a little splash symbol somewhere just to do those those little bits that fit in with the vocal. Did you find that the splash symbol? Um... Did it expand to a Chinese symbol, like a, like a bigger crash, but just as quick? About the time of pornography, yeah, because I went to Ray Mann's and I bought this huge buggery symbol that was about the size of a, a yeah. I have to explain. Ray Mann's is the oh, yeah. chi the Chinese. Uh, he was a Chinese uh, musical instrument store in yes. um, in Covent Garden in London. And we must have missed each other by, you know, minutes because I was down there as well. I still have, I have singing bowls and lots of little things from Rayman's Chinese musical instrument store, which my, uh, my good wife tells me, you know, were probably cheap as chips, you know, in, in China, right. but cost a fortune in Covent Garden. Right. But I think, yep, China symbols came out as splashes. Yeah, they they did because it was a very similar kind of sound, but much much bigger and more mental. So, yeah, I think when I got to pornography and I bought that symbol, that was like, yeah, there's no going back there now. And like the splash, I still have a China type on my 
Kit now. I want to, the sound that I try to introduce and got it in there whenever I could. I, I put the tambourine on the hi hat. Yes. Only afterwards did I see photographs of Mr. Bonham and Mr. John Bonham with Led Zeppelin. He had a, a ching ring, it's called, a ching ring on the top of his hi hat. Uh, and I'd, I, 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 of course, I'd heard it, but I didn't know what it was. And when yeah. I heard, when I put one on mine and heard it, I went, "Oh my goodness, that's what it is." Uh, loved, loved it, loved it, hitting it as a symbol as well. Did we answer his question, Lol? Do you think? think sort of, yeah. I think we got his question. I got did, to... we, did, did we completely bugger it up? <laughs> we might have buggered it up too. All right, I got a second one here now. I, I don't know. This one's probably a bit contentious, and maybe. I don't know. In the in the spirit of the mm. the era, probably not. Hello, love. I was at a cure gig. This is from Russell in uh, Sheffield, obviously. Hi, Russell in Sheffield. I was at a cure gig in eighty eighty one at the top rank in Sheffield. Oh, lovely venue. Yes. yes. You did your set and came out for the encore. As you started playing, a couple of fans jumped up. Whoa! Hold it! Hold it! Encore. <laughs> yeah. You were doing encores in Sheffield? Yeah. You were doing well straight yeah. away. Yeah. He says, as you started playing, a couple of fans jumped up on stage to dance. The bouncers <laughs> flew onto stage, pushing these fans dangerously back into the crowd. Your guitarist and yourself, it actually means Robert here, and then pushed the bouncers, quite rightly, across the stage when there was a fight between everyone. The bouncers appeared on stage. And the crowd were trying to get on stage. Obviously, you all had to get off stage safely, and the concert was ended. There was mayhem in the venue for about 10 minutes till it all died down. Right. We emerged covered in drink and were duly thrown out. I wonder if you have any recollections of that night. Sure, I have to check it if you need proof. Thanks. Russell Banks, Sheffield, England. So, Sounds like a regular night out to me, lol. Yeah, I mean, you know. Me and Budgie have got memories of, uh, you know, early punk rock gigs, and they always got a little bit like that. I don't think, um, you know, it was anything tremendously unusual. Um, no, I don't, no, no. I don't think, of course. Apart from the course. It was like usually people getting on stage who were, you know, I don't know, sort of uh, excited by the music and the atmosphere. Um, most of them were fine, you know, and actually most of the trouble always would come from the security in the places who were a little bit. Uh, Around that time, if I remember correctly, there was always a kind of, um, what's the, a presentiment, as the French would say. They, yeah. You know, there was like mostly from, as you say, the security who were not professional security. Yeah. And they were used to a, a quiet gig and, you know, they'd yeah. have a few pints and suddenly all these youngsters would turn up looking yeah. a little odd a little strange and getting yeah. really worked up at the front of the stage and there was no real way of they, they hadn't figured out a plan no so it was all a bit rough-handed and and it, and it was usually turned a bit you know ugly i like i like that phrase there rough-handed because um i do remember at one point we had it inserted in our contract with all these venues that you know the, the cure do not approve of bouncing, you know, and nobody should be bounced out of the place. And we have our own crew who will take care of any situation should they arise, you know, in a, in a 
much more civilized fashion. I don't think it said civilized fashion, but basically the idea was we were not going to, you know, tolerate um, the fans being brutalized, you know, which I we, we had uh, the driver and two of the guys who went on to more uh, illustrious careers in the uh, protection racket <laughs> in, in and around London's bigger venues. Yeah. But they, one of them was like, a, you know, both of them were trained in some kind of a close comb, close uh, body yeah. contact, com, com, uh, com, combat stuff is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, but what they used to do was stand about three, four rows into the audience yeah. because that's where the troublemakers used to start hitting on the, kids in front of them yeah. so they'd like you know just banging people in the back of the head yeah. and that's when our guys would just tap them on the shoulder and say do that once more sonny and you're yeah. out <laughs> which and, is a much better way of policing it all really i guess yeah uh, apparently they, they didn't have to ask the question too many times yeah. no well it's funny as well you just brought up something that uh, the third row in the audience was always where trouble happens because People, for some strange reason, think if they're standing three rows back, you can't see them from the stage. For some reason, they believe they're invisible. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's kind of not the case. But, um, yeah. So that, yes. So I, I do remember that uh, concert, Russell, in a vague <laughs> manner. And uh, I hope it didn't spoil too many people's uh, enjoyment of the evening. <laughs> Curious Creatures is created and presented by Vol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Spare. Social media Margie Taylor. Art and logo design Justin Thomas K. Music production Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web. And you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. I love saying www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter, at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram and at doubleelvisfm on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2021.